What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Tez. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. When I was in high school, and when most people were in high school and experienced their very, very first love, many would say that they would do anything for that person. Walk them to class, pick them up and drop them off at school, help them get back and forth to work. But what happens when an unsuspecting person gets in your way? If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. Our players this week are DeCarol Deloney Kane, Alyssa's mom and our victim, Demarius McGriggs, Alyssa's boyfriend, Nathaniel Porter, Alyssa's friend and helper, Deshaun Fuller, Alyssa's friend and helper, and Alyssa Barrett, our murderess. Alyssa Ayana Barrett was born on January 21st, 1997 in Crown Point, Indiana to happily married Wayne Barrett and DeCarol Deloney. Alyssa was Wayne and DeCarol's first child together, so they were happy. They're extremely grateful. They were both international flight attendants and they were working for United Airlines and so they had been all around the world. And when Alyssa was first born, they would make sure that they had a like rotating work schedule so that one parent was always home with Alyssa. Of course, when she was a baby because she needed her parents, but they, of course, had to work. By the time that Alyssa turned one years old, Wayne and DeCarol's relationship was suffering. They could not get along and they decided that it was time for them to get a divorce and they requested joint custody after the divorce not much changed between Alyssa and her parents because she was used to being the only parent there at a time because usually if she was there another parent was on the plane when Alyssa was growing up she was spoiled. Both of her parents doted on her. She had like the perfect, you know, I got two Christmases. I got two birthday parties, all of that stuff. They would bring her souvenirs on each of their trips that they went on. Of course, they're going to all these cool places all around the world. Her parents made sure that even though they weren't married, that she still had everything that she needed and that she didn't feel the regular strain that children of divorce usually feel. Like they were really trying to be good parents to her while, of course, maintaining their decently paying job. In 2007, when Alyssa turned 10, her mom found love with a new husband. His name was Jerome Kane. Now, after they got married, he moved into the house with DeCarol and Alyssa because they're married, right? Soon after, he would be watching Alyssa when DeCarol was off because DeCarol was off being a flight attendant. Alyssa didn't like this. Because Jerome was running the house like, make sure you turn out the lights. You need to be home by this time. Like, like this somebody's running daddy, around huh? like he's my daddy. <laughs> like, you running around, like, why are you doing this? I don't even know you like that. And so 
she's getting frustrated with him because he he's she described him as like super militant. He was put laying down the law at the house and she ain't like that shit. Laying down the law or providing some structure. You know, some kids crave structure. Crave it. And some rebuke it. I think it's everybody wanting what they don't have. <laughs> it, it do. It'd be the rich kids, the kids that are well off that turn out to be crazed killers. Now, sometimes, of course, Wayne, which was her dad, her biological dad, he would come and pick her up part time and she would go and hang out at his house. And when she was there, things were great. Uh, he was remarried and everybody said that when she was at dad's house, she was respectful. She was kind. She did what she had to do. But back at mom's house, she was like, nah, fuck this shit. And she was talking back. She was starting fights. She was lying. She was being out. She was doing whatever she wanted to do. When Alyssa turned 13, she was sick and tired of Jerome. So one day she was at she lets her teachers know that uh, Jerome has been molesting her. So the school, of course, called CPS and Alyssa was taken from DeCarol and Jerome's house while they investigated the claims that she made at school. Now, for three years, from age 13 to 16, Alyssa was tossed around in five different foster homes and the state just continued to investigate. And this tore apart DeCarol and Jerome's relationship because DeCarol was a good mom and she wanted to believe her daughter. Like, you know, they say, believe your kids when they tell you. But Jerome was also believable. And he was like, I ain't do nothing to your child. And DeCarol, she, she was inclined to believe him because she never saw any signs of abuse. She never felt like he was ever being inappropriate with her, not even on the slick, you know. So she's like starting to put things together. And she's like, it seems like every time Jerome and Alyssa get into an argument, Alyssa goes and tells somebody that Jerome's been touching her. And she's like, I want to believe you, but it's feeling like it's a lie, you know. So mm -hmm. she's like, at this point, we think Alyssa's just trying to get Jerome gone and out of her mom's life. So when Alyssa turns 16, the foster system finally finishes their investigation. And they also rule that Alyssa has been manipulating her parents and her teachers and everybody. They said there was never any signs of molestation and it could not be proven. So they let her go back home and they closed the investigation. Now, Jerome didn't necessarily want Alyssa moving back into the house. So Alyssa goes to live with Wayne, which, I mean, Alyssa never recanted the story. But if your child is falsely accusing me of touching him, I don't want to live with your kid either because I don't need them problems. Right. But also as a mom, are you going to say, oh, my husband doesn't want to live with you so you can go live somewhere else? Well, also, she did. why didn't she like him so much? Because she seemed to be fine with stepmom. But you know what? Stepmom might not have been laying it down the way stepdaddy was. Right. Not actually giving rules and structure. Right. Because her daddy provided structure. She listened to her dad. Yeah. So her mom sends Alyssa to go live with her dad since she likes it there so much. And so she moves in with Wayne and her dad takes her to see a therapist and a psychiatrist, making sure her mental health is right after getting out of foster care. And they ended up diagnosing her with PTSD from the foster homes. There was like the moving back and forth, no security, not feeling safe, being in an unfamiliar place. It's all this at such a young age. She was diagnosed with a personality disorder and prescribed meds to try and stabilize her mind and stuff. So after a few months, Alyssa's like, I'm done with the pills. I'm done living with my dad. I just want my mom. I want to go home. The girl was like, you know what? I miss you too, so I'm just going gonna, gonna to have to bring you back home. I have to do what's right for my kid. DeCarol talks it over with Jerome, and they get on the same page about getting back, but uh, the conditions were, sure, Alyssa can come back. I'm going to leave, though. And Jerome ends up moving out. Now, him and DeCarol were still together, but he was not living in the home. 
And I just, I'm torn. I don't even know how that works. I mean, I guess it's like a dating phase, but it's like her husband. But it's her husband. Exactly. Y'all have already tied the knot. I'm telling you, if if your kid doesn't like me that much, we can't be together. You know what I mean? Because it's like, one, if she doesn't like me so much that she lied, that's a problem in itself. But then it's like, two, she lied so bad that she went to foster care for three years. You kick me out for a week, I'm probably ready to come back home. You know what I mean? Right. Have you seen that episode of Atlanta? You probably haven't. There's an episode of Atlanta and the mama tells him he can't do something. And he's like, he says he hates it here or whatever. Or he going to call CPS. You can't do that to me. She says, you know what? Call him. Matter of fact, I'm going to call him. She has his bags packed. She kicks her son out the house and tells CPS to take him. And these white women adopt him. And they make him eat raw chicken. <laughs> and they take him to the flea market. Because, you know, they be like, white people can't cook. They be like, it's fried chicken. Eat it. And he's like, it's not cooked on the inside. <laughs> and he is stuck there. He is stuck there. And he's just ready to go back home. That and is so funny. My mom used to tell me that. She used to be like, if you if you want to call the people, I will pack a bag for you. You can go. You think that life is better than life here? Mm-hmm. You think that life there is better than life here? You want to lie? That nigga came back Girl, and do it. was doing all his chores, everything. He didn't give a fuck. He was like, please, mama, don't ever kick me out again. I Some just, kids would do anything to be in a stable, structured home. But I don't know. I just I find it hard to believe that she hated him that much that she rather lived outside the home for three years. That's a long time. So there had to have been something. I mean, there. I mean, and it could have been just a huge disdain. Maybe like she really hated him and thought that her mom would give up eventually. And maybe she got too deep. But I don't know. It's just that's a lot of disdain for a person. Not even let me go live with my dad. It's a big lie to walk back on. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Alyssa is now 16 years old. She is back in the home with her mother. DeCarol, right now, she's living in a nice three-story townhouse. Alyssa moves into the basement of the house. She has, you know, her little own space. It's like her own little apartment. She got a little private entry. Why private does a 16-year-old need a private entry? I don't understand why it feels like you're getting rewarded. And I just, I just feel like I would have been put in a closet with the key locked. <laughs> like... I just like it's like she has her own apartment and things seem to be going okay for a little while. Of course, like we said, what's his name? Like we said, Jerome is not living there, but Alyssa is starting to steal money out of her mama's purse. And then one time her mama catches her and she's like, "Okay, I caught you. Do not steal money out of my purse again. Alyssa's like, okay, well, I need some money. So she's like, "Okay, we'll get a job. Mm -hmm. So she does. She gets a job at McDonald's. And she's starting to make her own money. And I think, you know, if you're not extracurriculars, a job after school is a perfect thing to keep right. you busy. You should be doing something. You should be doing something with your time. DeCarol was still off. She was being a flight assistant. And since Jerome didn't live in the house because he was just waiting for her to, like, I don't know, be 18 and move out or something. Every time that DeCarol was gone, Alyssa was at the house by herself. It was like she had a home by herself. She took care of herself. She got herself up. She made sure that she went to school. She made sure she had herself fed. She just did everything like she was she was literally living rent-free by herself, pretty much. And her, her extended family, they said that her family was really close, but it was a big family. So the, the adults, the elders, they would come in and check on her for a little while, but they wouldn't stay. I mean, she's 16. She's 17 at this point, you know? Grown in enough. April 2004, well, she's 16 at this point. And then 
on April of 2014. She's 17 at this time. She's still going to school, working at McDonald's. Still, when her mama come home, she's giving her hell. And one day, while Alyssa was working at the cash register at McDonald's, this woman named Tanya comes up and gets some food. And she's like, oh my gosh, you are so pretty. And you are so sweet. And, you know... This is definitely looked like it's somebody mama. So Alyssa is being just a charming, sweet, you know, she's working the cash register. She's being bubbly. And this lady is just like, you are just, you have so much going for you. I can just see so much great. And you're just cute and you're single. You should meet my son. Yes, yes. You should be my son. You're how old? You're 17. Great. My son is 19. I'm going to hook this up. So you just, she was like, you just give me your number and I will, and I will tell him to talk to you. And she was, did the old trick, which I always do this. I'm like, no, she was like, he can come in here if he wants to get my number. She's like, okay, I'm going to make sure my son comes in there and gets your number. And the next day he did. Demarius Rashad McGriggs walks into the McDonald's to introduce himself to Alyssa. They exchange phone numbers and they begin texting immediately. So Demarius McGriggs, was a boy from Indiana. He grew up with a single mom who sent him to Mississippi to work for his grandparents on a farm to do manual labor for them since they were getting older. She thought that if he lived in Mississippi, he'd stay out of the trouble that there was in Indiana while he finished high school. He came from a city that didn't really have a lot of money put into it. And, you know, if there's not a lot of money in, you don't get a lot out of it. So she was just trying to make sure her son stayed focused because it's hard out here for a black male. Demarius, he graduates high school and he ends up moving back to Indiana to live with his mom. He was getting lonely, though. You know, he, he had spent his high school years in Mississippi. So coming back to Indiana, he didn't really have any friends and he spent all his time either playing video games or hanging out with his mom. Demarius was two years older than Alyssa, but, but Alyssa was easily able to get him under her spell. They clicked after the first meeting and instantly started spending a bunch of time together, having a lot of sex with each other. You got to remember the carols on these trips. So the Marys could just come and spend the night for a couple of nights. It was perfect. After they spent a few nights together getting to know each other, <laughs> that's how you do it. The Marys took her to meet his mom for real, for real, in an official way, you know. And mm-hmm. Alyssa was easy, like, hey, mom, like instantly calling her mom. We 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 go together, okay? It ain't no question about it. <laughs> now, Tanya was like, okay, they're happy together. This was a good match. But, I mean, there might be a few red flags here. Like, why are they spending so much time together? They just met. You know, take it easy. Take it slow. And now Damaris is sleeping over Alyssa's house. He's taking her to school. He's picking her up from school. He's hanging all out all night he's doing it all over again like it's a whole lot of freedom over there but what can she tell her grown-ass son and somebody else's kid now when the carol meets demarius she's frustrated that this the nigga her daughter spent all her time with he just graduated high school but he didn't have a job he wasn't even thinking about college and he's two years older than her it's they're still kind of in the same age range but he's on to that next part of life like you know what I mean? Once you graduate, it's a different field. And he just, he didn't seem to have anything going for him. All he cared about was Alyssa. And if you're so worried about me, you can't take care of our future. Come on now, get focused. But this didn't bother Alyssa. Alyssa loved the attention. She loved spending all her time with him. This was great for her. So the Carol decides we need to talk mothers to mothers. So she goes to Tanya's house and she's like, listen, 
Our kids are spending way too much time together. And Tanya was like, girl, I was thinking the same thing. And and from there, the two just clicked. Chitting, chatting, they're getting it in, right? Now, Tanya says that she can tell that Carol was happy to be able to talk to someone else about this. And the two just really wanted to figure out a way to help their kids' relationship. Like, I don't want to end y'all, but let's make it healthy. Let's make it better, you know? But neither of these kids was listening to their mama, and they kept this relationship going. It didn't slow down. It didn't ease up. They didn't start focusing on their own things. They stayed in each other's face all the time that they could. By June of 2014, Alyssa and Demarcus were ready to move in together. They were ready to take that next step. They were ready to have a life together forever and ever. Amen. You heard me. They had money from Alyssa's job, but of course they didn't have enough money for a security deposit anywhere. So they decided to ask to Carol for some money. On June 7th, 2014. Alyssa and Demarius showed up to DeCarol's home. DeCarol, she knows she's sitting at the table. She's using her laptop. She's chilling. She's like, oh, hey, y'all, what's up? Alyssa's like, oh, yeah, mom. Me and Demarius decided that we're going to move in together and we're going to live forever and ever, amen, happily ever after. But to do that, we need a security deposit. So can I have some money so I can move out your house? Sounds like you can't afford to move out my house. Oh, you hear me? And DeCarol is like, uh, no. <laughs> no. A, the fuck? You're not moving out this house because you don't have the resources. You have no idea what it takes to live on your own. B, you're not moving in with him. But are you don't even got a job. You're the breadwinner. And you probably just, and at that age, I know what you did because I did the same thing. I looked at what I made and I looked at what the rent price was and I said, great, I have enough. <laughs> but you don't take Who into cares account about anything, anything else. else. <laughs> just moving in costs a lot to move in and then the shit that you just randomly need like if we have any people that are haven't moved out of their parents house listening to this podcast listen you don't know how much that costs and once once you leave you can't go back well some of y'all can i guess streaming october 6th on paramount plus first place i learned about death was a pet cemetery dead things buried in that land would come back there's something else. Something's wrong with Timmy. He needs time to adjust. That's not Timmy. Something's talking through him. Sometimes dead is better. Pet Cemetery, Bloodlines, Rated R, streaming only on Paramount Plus. So, like I said, DeCarol tells them absolutely not. Hell no. And Alyssa gets pissed i mean she gets so upset she picks up the laptop that her mother is currently type type typing away on and throws it across the room it breaks into a whole bunch of pieces and then she starts just like beating her mama ass she just throwing punches she's throwing blows and and demarius is sitting there like what the fuck is going on like he ain't never seen Alyssa act this way and so finally after sitting there in dumb shock for a little while he pulls her off of her mama and then Alyssa turns around on him it's like why you pull me off of her why you got her back why you got her back why you ain't have my back are you taking my mother's side are you taking my mother's side for real so at the end of this the girl ended up with a black eye and her nose was bleeding like i'm so you Get the fuck about my house. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> so she's like in shock. She can't believe her daughter had just did her like this. She's like, y'all need to leave. And they left. And the couple goes to stay with Tanya for the next couple of weeks. Alyssa's like, let me just give my mom a little time to cool down. I need a little time to cool down. I'm mad at her. How you mad at her when you blacked her eye? 
but she's fuming. She's still on one, right? So she keeps mm-hmm. talking to Demarius about how she wish her mom was dead. Like, she is pissed. Alyssa goes on to tell Demarius that her mom never chose her. She would choose her flights over her. She chose Jerome over her. And now she can't even get some money to move out. It's not like her mama wanted her anyways, right? That's how she feeling. So Demarius tries to calm down his girl. He's like, listen, Alyssa, it's okay. She's like, no, it's not. And he was like, well, everything's going to work out. You know, we, we just got to figure it out. We, we, we go get the buddy. But. They hit another blip in the road because your girl Alicia is now pregnant, 17 years old. Demarius is 19 and they got a baby on the way. And now their parents already said, you know, you're not even ready to move out the house. They damn sure not ready to raise a kid. Right. So, (laughs) no, I'm still not ready to raise a kid. You know, big grown. So my big age. So. Alyssa was like, you know what? This is actually perfect because now that I'm pregnant, my mom will definitely help me out and give me some money so that we can move out and move in together. They take the easy mom first. They go and they tell Tanya and she wasn't mad. She was disappointed, but she wasn't mad. She was like, I'm going to support you guys however you need it. And she, you know, asked them the questions, you know, do you want to give the baby up for adoption? And they were like, no. The Barris is excited. He was like, it's going to be my kid. His mom kind of sort of on board. That's all I said. Yeah, he was like, I'm I'm in love. Like, already, I can't wait until this baby comes. I want to be a father to this kid. Like, I know. I want to go through with this. Alyssa is, of course, on board. Like, this is, she's thinking it's going to work out with her plan. This is going to be great reason for her to be able to move in it's going to make it easier for her mom to accept it so they settled on it they're like yep we're having this baby no questions about it on june 28 2014 Alyssa and demarius went to decarol's house to tell her that she was pregnant this was the first time that they have seen decarol since Alyssa went berserk on decarol and when they got there decarol you know she's keeping her guard up because at a bitch point, just girl, swallowed me last time. Saw time. You, <laughs> right. Like, at this point, last time I saw you. Then Alyssa tells her mother that she's pregnant. And DeCarol just starts sobbing. She just starts crying. I can't believe that you were this reckless. I, How could this possibly happen? I am so upset with you. You need to get an abortion. And then she picks up her phone. She's like, I'm going to start looking for the nearest abortion clinic right now because... You are too young. There is absolutely no way that I am going to let you have this baby. Alyssa was crying. Of course, she wanted to keep the baby. She was like, I want this baby. I want us to live happily ever after. Demarius is watching his girl cry. DeCarol is like going just ham. How the fuck could you do this? How could you be so reckless? How could you be so stupid? How could you do this? She's telling them there's absolutely no way that you're going to be able to do this. There's no way that you are going to be capable of being a good mom. Alyssa is pissed. She's upset. But instead of hitting her like she did the last time, Alyssa and Demarius, they leave. They go back to Demarius' mama's house. So it's said that as soon as they left that house, Alyssa was like, okay, we need to figure out a way to get rid of my mother. I can't believe that she's not supportive of me and my teenage pregnancy. I can't believe that she said that I would not be a good mother at my big, grown, little 17-year-old self. This is just unacceptable of her to say this about me. Like we said, she had a little bit of like mental health issues. Like her anger and was just ranging in scale. It was really through the roof. She was going through all these plans and trying to figure out what she thought would work and be the best way that she can have her mother out of the picture altogether. 
So she decided that she was going to trick her mom into thinking that she had changed her ways, that she was ready to be the perfect daughter. She's about to put on a smile. And on July 1st, 2014, Alyssa tells her mom that she wants to move back in. She told her mom, I've decided that I'm going to give the baby up for adoption. Me and Demarius have broken up. We are no longer together. Of course, these things were not true, but she was doing what she had playing to do. on her ethos. Yes, doing what she had to do so that she could get back into the home and her luxurious basement apartment all for one. On July 3rd, 2014, DeCarol was getting ready for work and it was a trip during the 4th of July and she's flying out, right? She has her backpack, she puts on her uniform, she's getting ready. While she's doing all of this, Alyssa sneaks Demarius into her basement apartment. When he gets there, Alyssa tells him that she's finally come up with a plan to kill her mom and all she needs is just a little bit of help, okay? So she grabs a knife. (laughs) (laughs) She grabs a knife and she points it to her belly and told Demarius that if he doesn't help her, then she's going to kill herself and the baby. So don't sit here and waste your time trying to think things through because you only got one choice, okay? So Demarius is like, fine, baby, don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt my kid. I'll do whatever you need. You know, I just want to see you happy. Alyssa lets Demarius in on the rest of the plan, and she goes upstairs. Now, once she's upstairs, Demarius goes to the fuse box and turns out all the lights. So now the Carol's like, oh, hell, let me go see what's wrong. So she goes to the basement to check the fuse box. Alyssa's following her down the stairs. And as soon as she gets down there, Demaris is waiting for her next to the fuse box. When the Carol makes it over to the box, she starts to turn on the switches. And Demaris puts a pillowcase over her head and begins trying to suffocate her. Now, while he's suffocating her, Alyssa yells, kill her and she kicks and punches her and puts her on the ground and on the way down the girl hits her head on the concrete area right below the stairs she falls to the ground and Alyssa says she ain't dead yet now remember Alyssa already has this knife that she had threatened Demarius with so she picks it up again and she begins stabbing her mom in the chest and in the neck after she finished stabbing she was like all right she's dead now and the couple grabs a roll of red duct tape a box of trash bags they tape her feet together at the ankles and her hands at the wrists, and they put her body in the two trash bags, and then they taped the bags together. Now, after the body was taped up, Alyssa said that they were going to need a ride back after dumping the body, so they decided to call two friends, 18-year-old Nathaniel Porter and 17-year-old Deshaun Fuller. Nathaniel and Deshaun pulled up a few minutes later in the same car. Alyssa and Demaris go, and they put DeCarol's body in the trunk of DeCarol's car, and they put suitcases on top of it, like the suitcases that she was packing for her trip to make it look like, you know, their mom's all loaded up and ready to go. After that, they drive 30 minutes outside the city to the corner of 21st Ave and Mississippi Street of Gary, Indiana. Now, Nathaniel and Deshaun are following Alyssa and Demarius, and they end up at an abandoned field, and they just leave the Toyota there, and they get into the car with their friends. So apparently the area of Gary, Indiana, that they dumped the body was in the Calumet region, and it was known to be a dumping ground for dead bodies. After dumping the car and the body, they went to a Dollar Tree. They got bleach, they got other cleaning supplies, and they went back to Alyssa's house to clean up the crime scene. When they got there, Nathaniel and Deshaun waited in the car, and Alyssa and Demarius went into the house. They tried to clean up DeCarol's blood from the concrete floor. They tried to 
use like a wet vacuum to vacuum up the blood. They tried to wipe it. They tried to scrub it, but the blood had been there for a while. They did not know how to get blood out of the fixings, the fixtures, the decor, if you will. They were like, you know what? Let's put a pin in this for a little while. Let's go run a few errands and we'll get back to this. So Alyssa grabs her mom's new laptop and her mom's wallet and her and Demarius get into the car with Nathaniel and Deshaun. They drove to an easy pawn, which is a pawn shop in Maryville. They pawned the laptop and then they went to South Lake Mall. And when they were at the mall, the first thing that they did was go to an ATM. And Alyssa, of course, she knew that her mom had gotten paid because the 4th of July was a Friday and she got paid on the 3rd. So that means that her bank account was fresh and fat and she withdrew $500 straight like that. She gave true. Nathaniel and Deshaun each $100 and she get, had $300 to do whatever she wanted, plus whatever money she got from the laptop. I'm not sure how much money she got from the laptop. The four of them went on a mini shopping spree. They stopped at a jewelry store and Alyssa and Demarius told the jeweler that they were engaged and they were so happy and it was time that they got a ring. And so she got her ring finger measured and they said that they were going to come back and get a ring because, baby, it's me and you for life. OK, it's me and you forever. I will kill for you. And I have proven it. After they were finished, the four friends left and Nathaniel and Deshaun dropped off Alyssa and Demarius back to Carol's house. Demarius and Alyssa enjoyed their evening. They had sex and they were like, oh, free at last, free at last. Thank God almighty, I am free at last. Following days, Alyssa and Demarius take the bus to the mall to buy an engagement ring. After they go out to dinner, Demarius proposes to Alyssa and they are high off love and adrenaline. They are living their lives like it's golden, on cloud nine, to the moon, everything. Like, they're ecstatic. They, they're they living their best lives right now. Skip to July 6th, three days after they've killed DeCarroll, and United Airlines is calling DeCarroll's emergency contact, which is her ex-husband. So, yeah, they call Wayne, and they're like, hey, have you heard from DeCarroll? She hasn't shown up for her shift on the 3rd. It's been three days. We haven't heard from her. This is not like DeCarol at all. You know, she's had a 28-year history with this airline. She hardly ever misses a day. This is so out of character. So immediately, Wayne is like, Alyssa, Jerome, y'all, everybody, y'all heard from DeCarol? He calling everybody. And now he's starting to get worried. Alyssa tells her dad that her mom left for a work trip to China on July 3rd and that she hadn't heard from her since she left. Her story was kind of believable because it's not unusual for her mom to like fly out the country and, you know, it's work, right? So that's what she's telling everybody. And, you know, it's believable at first. But Wayne's like, listen, I don't want you to be alone all this time, you know, because it's you're saying that your mom left on this trip, but the job is saying that they hadn't heard her. So I'm just going to stay with you until we figure out and make sure that your mom is safe. So he starts making his way towards his daughter. On July 7th, the very next day, there are two people hiking and they come across the Carol's abandoned car. Now, like, this is odd. A random car in this random field for no reason. So they're like, let's just call the cops. We don't know what's going on here. When the police get there, they're like, all right, I ain't even open this thing up, but I can smell a body in here. Let's pop this thing open and see what it is. The car was left unlocked, so they just popped the trunk. And after removing the suitcases, they see a duct tape body in garbage bags. 
They were unable to identify it in there, so the body is taken to the coroner's office to be identified and perform autopsies. The coroner was able to identify DeCarol's body because of the serial number on her breast implants. After identifying her, they went to her house on the same day and they gave the death notification. And that was literally the same day that Wayne had gotten to the house. Like, it's happening quick. When Wayne got to the house, Demarius and Alyssa were sitting on the couch in the living room watching TV, chilling. And Wayne was like, a lot of Demarius's shit is here. And Carol really might be missing something is not right. Later, when the police actually did show up and give the death notification, and they told the family that DeCarol had been found in the trunk of a car, Demarius and Alyssa, I mean, they start crying. They're so sad. They have no idea what happened. Wayne, of course, he was sad. He was confused. He doesn't understand why this could happen to his ex-wife. And things in the house already aren't adding up. And that night, The detectives interviewed everybody that was in the house, Wayne, Alyssa, and Demarius, and they were just trying to figure out, you know, what happened, what's her last movements, why she wasn't reported missing. Like, she's clearly been badly decomposed. Why did no one report her missing? First, they interviewed Wayne, and after like 10 minutes, they were like, okay, not you. Like we said, he wasn't even in the area at the time. He wasn't even in the same state. He was living in Chicago, and they were in Crown Point, Indiana. Next... They, you know, casually interviewed Demarius and Alyssa separately. The interviews were, like we said, very casual. No audio, no video recordings. Uh, There are some police logs of what happened, but nothing other than that. And Alyssa keeps to her story that her mom was leaving to go to China, like she does, because she's an international flight attendant. And when she left, she hasn't heard from her since. But this is not abnormal, Because this is what, this is our routine. They talk to Demarius and Demarius says the same thing, that DeCarol left for a work trip. She's going to China. But he said that after she left the home, Alyssa did talk to DeCarol. And that was like, hmm, the police were a little suspicious of that. Very, very minor Hiccup can tear your whole story apart. But they did just find out that she was dead. And they were like, you know, maybe they just got the story a little confused. Maybe they just need to. It's a shocking, traumatic thing to to find out that your future mother-in-law slash baby mama mama is dead. The next day, the autopsy was underway and the detectives are trying to figure out what happened to DeCarol. So first they decide to look at her bank records, follow the money. They see that there was a withdrawal on July 3rd. So they go to the ATM it was taken from, and they realize, okay, this ATM is inside of a mall. So the detectives decide to show pictures of Alyssa and Demarius to the store workers, and that's when they find out about the jewelry store visit and how the two, on the day DeCarol goes missing and the day after, go in here shopping for jewelry. They also find fingerprints on the bags used to tie up the body and DeCarol's pant leg, so they send those off for analysis. On July 9th, two days after DeCarol's body was found, the detectives go to her house and search and look around. It wasn't unusual to do that, to search a victim's house, especially after they're found dead in their own car. You know, maybe it was a robbery going wrong. We just, we need to flesh things out. We need to cover our bases. But the police were probably trying to solidify and find some hard, hard evidence that Alyssa and Demarius had something to do with this. So the police get to the house and Wayne lets them in and they search the top and middle floors and find nothing out of the ordinary. They noted that her wallet, 
Her laptop and her uniform was missing. That's what would be missing if she actually left for her trip like she was supposed to. So they're like, no red flags yet. Let's keep looking. So finally, they make their way down to the basement. And as soon as they get down there, they see a faded red spot in the middle of the floor. They immediately know that it's blood. So they ask Alyssa to see what she's going to say. And they're like, listen, the basement's your room. What's it stain on the middle of the floor? She says that she spilled red paint when she was going to paint her room and then some juice. And it was probably just one of the two things, you know, something red. Cops are like, something. <laughs> something red. I'm not quite sure. Cops don't believe her, and they're like, yeah, we're going to keep looking around. As they're looking, they find a wet vac with dried blood around the nozzle that sucks it up. But, again, they're not letting on that they're suspicious of Damaris or Alyssa, but they are definitely keeping notes inside of their head. After searching the entire house, the detectives leave. The autopsy came back fairly quickly, and the medical examiner was able to tell that the cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head and multiple stab wounds to the chest. She had a fractured skull, six puncture wounds in the upper middle chest area just below her, just below her neck, and it was ruled a homicide. The next day, July 10th, 2014, I mean, justice is moving swiftly in this case. <laughs> it is a rarity. The detectives get the autopsy report and... They're like, okay, we need to talk to Demarius and Alyssa. Why don't y'all come on down to the station? Why don't you guys answer a few more questions? They interview the couple separately again. But, you know, this time they're at the station. It's a little bit more serious. They told Demarius, listen, we know that there was blood downstairs. We know that money was withdrawn from her account. It looks like you moved into the house. So are you sure that you don't have anything to tell us? And Demarius, he wasn't saying anything that he hadn't already said. Of course, he's sitting there shaking in his boots, but he was trying to stand his ground. So the detectives decide to act like they think that Alyssa did it. So they're trying to flip the story on him. Like, you know, we really trying to get Alyssa for this crime. What can you tell us so that, you know, trying to get him to flip on her? Because in the detective's mind, they're like, one of them had to have done it, but we don't know which one. We just need somebody to snitch on the other. So they're like, maybe if we get Demarius to say exactly what happened, we'll, you know, chop this one up, say we did good detective work today. So as soon as they started to blame it on Alyssa and talk about how long she was going to be in jail and how this is going to be really bad for her and you just need to let us know what happened, what happened in this horrible, tragic situation because Alyssa is a bad person. She's going away. Demarius wasn't having that. You're not going to be talking about my future baby mama like this. And he was like, as a matter of fact, you know what, detectives, y'all don't have to worry about this anymore. Case closed. I did it. It's on me. And they were like, what? He said... It was me. I did it. I did everything. She had nothing to do with it. Now, in the other room, Alyssa was trying to save her own ass, okay? She tells the police, Demarius killed her mom because she wanted to abort their baby. She says, Demarius and Carol got into a verbal argument about the baby, and Carol hit Demarius, and Demarius got mad, so he suffocated her, and he stabbed her. She said that she was so frozen in fear and so scared that Demarius would kill her or her child that she just went along with helping him. She said Demarius is the one who called Nathaniel and Deshaun to help. And she maintained that she had nothing to do with it. She was just there because she was frozen in fear. She couldn't move. She couldn't do anything. The detectives didn't fully believe her story, but they're like, listen, it's plausible. It's something. Let's roll with it, see where it gets us. They let Alyssa go because she's a minor and they held Demarius until the next day and then officially arrest him and charge him with first degree murder on July 11th of 2014. Now, after Demarius was arrested, the news swarmed the case and they gave lots of coverage, right? Demarius's mom is 
begging him to tell the truth about what happened because she's like, she knows her son and she knows that's not something he's capable of. When she seen it hit the news, she was like, "Mm mm-mm not mine. She's like, Alyssa's got something to do with this. And son, you need to tell these people the truth because you cannot give your life away for hers. Okay. I get you want to, you know, look out for her, but there is a limit and there is a line and you have absolutely crossed it. The news call turned into multiple calls coming into the detectives that were working the case about Alyssa. So her co-workers called up to the detectives and were like, oh yeah, she used to be up at work at McDonald's all the time talking about how she wanted her mama to be dead. Her old teachers called up and said, yeah, she used to write stories in class about what her life would be like if her mom died. Mm, sounds like y'all should have been reporting that. Some of her old friends were calling up and they were like, she used to go around Gary, Indiana, trying to find somebody that would kill her mother all the time. Everybody's like, you need to be looking at Alyssa. So after Demarius was arrested, Alyssa still going to work like normal, still acting like absolutely nothing had happened. So a few weeks later, the DNA results came back and the fingerprints on the trash bags and the ones found on DeCarol's pants leg both matched Alyssa. That day, they went to the judge and they got a warrant for her arrest. So on July 30th, 2014, I mean, they still putting you on the schedule at McDonald's and you got an open case. (laughs) (laughs) They don't care who behind that window keep it moving. (laughs) I'm just saying, like how she still get on the schedule. You got a lot going on and you made sure that you were clocking in. On July 30th, 2014, while Alyssa was at work, the detectives show up to Mickey D's and they're like, ma'am, you are under arrest for first degree murder. And while they are handcuffing her, she literally turns to them. She's like, can y'all do this later? Because I'm literally at work right now. <laughs> and they're like, uh, no. <laughs> the fuck? Yeah, I'll come back when it's more convenient for you. Right. No, ma'am, you're going to prison. So they now have the proof that she helped Demarius, even though she said that she never helped, that she didn't touch anything, that she had nothing to do with this crime. They needed to get him to change his story because now they have all of these all of these witnesses, all these people that they can bring on the stand to say that Alyssa was a horrible person, that Alyssa is one that always wanted her mother dead, and they can actually prosecute her. So they're like, Demarius is the key. When they talk to him, they tell him how Alyssa said that she was terrified of him. They were like, when Alyssa was talking to us, she was saying that you forced her to kill, help kill her mom and that you forced her to help dump that body. And she completely threw you under the bus. She is making you out to be the mastermind of this entire thing instead of the accomplice. And we know that Alyssa is the mastermind, Demarius. You just need to help us out. Detectives decided to show Demarius how horrible she made him look and how bad she had lied on him. And they're like, you know, didn't you say you was in love with her? Didn't she say she was in love with you? Is this love? Is this love, Demarius? First degree murder ain't nothing to play with, my boy. And then he breaks down. He starts crying. And he's like, okay, okay, I'll tell y'all the truth. So Demarius is finally opening up. And he's telling the cops about how Alyssa approached him. She wanted to kill her mom. She would keep saying how she wished her mom died. And he just... He's like, I just knew she wasn't serious. She couldn't be serious, you know? Then Demarish tells detectives about the incident of Alyssa holding the knife up to her stomach, you know, threatening to kill herself and the baby. And he was like, listen, you have to stand. I truly do love Alyssa and I love my unborn baby. I didn't think I had a choice because I wouldn't want to see that happen to either one of them. He says, yes, I did put the pillowcase over her head, 
But Alyssa is the one who stabbed her. Alyssa is the one who called Nathaniel and Deshaun, and those are her friends. So at this point, Damaris is crying, like, throughout the entire interview. He's so remorseful. He's heartbroken. And he's, like, realizing, like, he fucked up. He really fucked up. After he finished telling the detectives everything, he asked them to tell everyone that he's sorry. He said, I really didn't want to Carol to die. And he tells the detectives, you know, I really just, I didn't want Alyssa and my baby to be hurt, you know? And I guess it felt like a choice between his family or this woman. Like, it was getting in the way of his family. And he had just he had to choose his family. He said that DeCarol did not deserve what she got. Does, however, end up pleading not guilty. And his trial was set to begin on October 15th of 2015, almost a year from this point in the story. Take that shit to trial. After the detectives get the truth on Demarius, they arrest Nathaniel and Deshaun, and they both were let out on a $3,000 bond. They now go back to Alyssa and tell her what Demarius had to say, and she is stunned, okay? She immediately starts crying and screaming about how he betrayed her, and she refused to admit that she did anything wrong. But the police is like, we don't need you to admit, honey, because we got Demarius, and we got Nathaniel, and we got Deshaun, and we got some evidence that ties it all together. So they take her to the jail. She awaits trial that was set to begin on January 26th of 2016. In March of 2015, Alyssa gave birth to her baby girl inside of prison. She was allowed to spend 48 hours with her and then her baby was put into foster care. I mean, like, Demaria's mom couldn't take the baby. Mm. They said they had a tight extended family. Nobody could take the baby. But a year later, around October 2014, just before Demarius's trial was be- set to begin, it was delayed due to clerical issues, court closing, all the reasons why trials always get delayed. But the delay in his trial had Alyssa thinking about her mom, her man, what she did to him. And she was thinking about how she was going to have to go to trial and see all of the pictures of what she did to her mother. Her lawyer was like, you know, if you plead guilty, you're not that young. You might get like 25 to 50 years, you know, you won't die in prison. But if you go to trial and you get found guilty on first degree murder, you're getting put away forever. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, you know what? I'm going to change my plea to guilty. She stands before the judge to figure out what her sentencing is going to be. Two days after Alyssa's trial was supposed to begin, which is January 27th, 2016, it's time for her now guilty sentencing hearing. Her whole family was there at the hearing. Her dad, her stepdad, her uncle, DeCarol's friends, everyone. I mean, a lot of people were there. Her uncle Todd spoke and said, you know, we forgive you, baby. We love DeCarol. We love you, Alyssa. We have forgiven you. We are not putting blame on nobody. You know, we really want you to get help. We want you to get help. We love you. They're trying to wrap her up in love at this sentencing hearing. When it was time for Alyssa to speak, Alyssa decided that she was going to apologize to her family. She said that her mom was, quote, an outstanding person who didn't deserve what happened to her. Every day it hurts. I am changing and trying to become a better person. I am truly trying and I am truly sorry. I hope that one day we can all be together, end quote. The prosecutor, Mm -hmm. Michelle Jackovet, said Alyssa is a manipulative, narcissistic young lady who had everything provided to her by her mother and all she wanted was her mother done away with. 
The judge ended up sentencing Alyssa to 50 years in prison with the possibility of parole after she served 75% of her time. After the hearing, Alyssa was taken to the Indiana State Prison. A week later, Demarius decides that it's probably a good idea for him to take a plea also. So he gets his lawyers to contact the prosecutor's office and he asks for a deal. They were able to get him one, but less than a month later, only a few days before the sentencing hearing, the prosecutor office drops the plea deal. So Demarius had to go to trial on March 14th of 2016. Demarius and his lawyers basically begged Indiana to allow him to take a plea. So the state of Indiana decides that Demarius could plead guilty to conspiracy to commit murder and apologize for lying. And if he did that, then they'd allow him to take a plea. Of course he agrees, and his sentencing hearing is set for April 18th of 2016. At the sentencing hearing, his mom sat behind him to make sure that he knew he didn't need Alyssa to be there for him. He had his mom's support. Because he was so apologetic, he was sentenced to 40 years with the possibility of parole after serving 75% of his time. A week later, both Nathaniel and Deshaun pleaded guilty to a level 5 felony of assisting a criminal during a homicide and were sentenced to five years each. They both got out after a few years. Uh, Demarius is serving his time at Miami Correction in Illinois and is eligible for parole in May of 2044. Demarius' mom, Tanya, believes that Alyssa planned the pregnancy to trap her son. She also feels like all of this is her fault because she is the one who introduced the two. Alyssa's serving her time at the Indiana Women's Prison and she's eligible for parole in January of 2051. Love Kills interviewed both of them in prison and asked if they think they'll be better when they get out. Alyssa said that maybe her and Demarius can have a relationship after they get out of prison and get past this road bump as she called it yes killing your mother is a road bump and just a road bump in life yeah once they can get past that little issue she's sure that they can live a happy life together Demarius, however says he still needs time to think about if he'll want to get back together he's gonna be out before she is how long after was this interview when was this interview it came out in 2017 so like a year after they were sentenced right because i was like damn how much time you need to think about it First of all, that whole year is still too long because, my guy, you've got, like, 39 more. (laughs) What? You have all the time to think about it. Now, because they're both felons and inmates, they aren't allowed to communicate. Last we heard, their daughter was still in foster care and Demarius has never met her. He's trying and hopes that one day he can meet her and be a part of her life. All right, y'all. It's time for... Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I didn't do it, but if I did... This is how I would have got away with it. I ain't do it, but if I did, I would have told my mom that I was going to go get an abortion, gotten the money from her to get said abortion, and used it as the down payment on my apartment. Wow, that's clever. Right? You sneaky, sneaky. I'd be pissed if I was your mom. Right, of course, but (laughs) I win. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't do it if, if I did. If I'm committing a plan with somebody else, they got to be in on the full plan. You have to have a contingency. If the cops come to talk, what are we going to tell them? Y'all here telling two different stories. And those little tiny details get you messed up. Mm -hmm. I ain't do it, but if I did, y'all went to the dollar store. And I know that there are good cleaning supplies at the dollar store. Y'all ain't get no awesome. Y'all ain't get no just good old-fashioned bleach. Y'all ain't get no comment. Y'all didn't come back to finish cleaning up. I ain't do it, but if I did... You got to clean your cleaning supplies too, man. You can't wipe the blood off the knife with the rag and then leave the bloody rag sitting there. Clean out the vacuum. You got blood sitting right there on the rim of the nozzle. 
Come on now. I mean, Actually, that vacuum should have been returned to Home Depot. I bet they rented that shit. I ain't do it, but if I did, I never know why these people never have cleaning supplies on hand. Do you not clean your house until it's time for a murder? I don't think I've ever like enough. ran out of cleaning supplies. There's always a backup. You have I ain't one? do it, but if I did, I don't know how to put this into it. I didn't do it, but if I did, but the serial numbers on your titties, on your implants, that threw me for a loop. Listen, I was like, damn, I wouldn't even thought about that. That uh, threw me for a loop. <laughs> I wonder if they got serial numbers on people's um, veneers. They're there, right? Mm-hmm. Serial number on the implant. Is she talking about she don't want to see her mama? Uh, she don't want to see the pictures of her mom's dead body at trial. Girl, you did it. Right. Sure handy work. I ain't do it, but if I did, nigga, it's time for you to get a job so that we can move out. I just got to move out. Like, you needed your mom to get paid before you could even commit the murder. It was it was so far out your budget, you put it into the victim's budget. Like, what happens when your next bill comes up? Your mom not getting paid no more. She not going to work no more. Who are you going to steal from now? It, like, it, it's really the naivete of not knowing what life actually yeah. has in store and what it actually takes to thrive in society just not even thrive what it takes to survive in society when you're 17 when you're teenagers young 20s you don't realize all of the things that you have to pay to live and how especially in america your minimum wage job at mcdonald's is not gonna pay for it girl and that's all i got parole or no parole he's got 40 she's got 50 with the possibility after 75%. She was young when it happened. I have to see what type of person she becomes. We'll see if she's actually getting some help. I don't know. She's a little delusional Debbie. I'm not sure. Not sure about her. I think that I might let her rock her whole sentence. But him, I definitely feel like I would give him parole after yeah, for for 75%. Sure. I'd probably even give it after 50, but he don't got that option. He don't have that option. And that's, of course, pending... Whatever he's doing now, saying that he hasn't gotten in any trouble. Now, let's read some reviews. Okay, I got mine. This one is from Preppy1983. Says, well, dot, 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 five stars. Love the podcast. There aren't enough words to express what an amazing job you ladies do. Too bad I can't send you ladies a goodie bag of my products to show my appreciation. Who says you can? Ladies, keep up the good work. Let me tell you, Preppy1983, whatever you want to send us, we can receive. We have a P.O. box where you can hit us up and send us whatever you like. You just ask for it. Hit us up. Just hit us right on up. This one is titled, My Best Friend Referred Me and I'm a Hook. This podcast is just horrible. The dialogue is just too good and the facts are so well explained and connected and don't get me started on taz and Ra. you ladies don't know how much you're teaching me and making me aware of the awful justice systems of how they be doing us beautiful black women love y'all and the podcast can't wait to see y'all flourish because i will be there every step supporting thank you oh thanks that was adorable. That made my heart flutter. You said what? I said that made my heart flutter. We appreciate all the support. All the support. I mean, it really does mean a lot to us. We are overwhelmed in the most amazing way. <laughs> right. All right, y'all. That is the end of the show. If you want to, I don't know, if you want to see any pictures from this episode, you can follow our Instagram at Sisters Who Kill Pod. You can follow us on Twitter at Sisters Who Kill. Follow us on TikTok at Sisters Who Kill Podcast. You can join the discussion group, but you must answer the questions to get in. If you'd like to ask any special questions to Tazzy, you can email her at tazzytalks at gmail.com. That's T-A-Z-Z-Y, talks at gmail.com. 
And that's all I got. Anything else, friend? Talk to us. We talk back. Bye.